It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I think I don't I don't do drip or money or fashion. I do arts. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 661 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February the 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, as always, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We have so much stuff for you to check out over on the network, whether you're a hockey, baseball, basketball, football, college sports fan. If there's a team in sports that you like, there's a very, very good chance that there's a Locked On show covering that team every single day for you. So please subscribe to, rate, and review all of the shows that you want to support. And that's uh, very much appreciated. And thank you in advance for doing that for this show. We've been doing pretty well in the rankings and stuff lately that I, I think is tied to uh, ratings and reviews. I don't actually know. But if you want to leave a rating or review, it's very easy wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for doing that all right on today's show it is just me going solo after the streak ended and the raptors are now garbage at the hands of the brooklyn nets 101 91 a loss in brooklyn last night just a uh one of the worst offensive performances you'll ever see from a team that has 40 wins right up there with that heat game last month where the zone kind of screwed with the raptors for a bit and they could never just make enough shots to get out of it This one, you know, the Nets didn't go zone quite as much, but they did zone up quite a bit, and the Raptors just didn't have enough. And I thought, you know, you could nitpick with some lineup stuff and whatnot, and you could say, oh, maybe they kept Ronda Hellis-Jefferson and Patrick McCaw on the floor for for too long together in that fourth quarter as the Raptors were trying to mount a comeback. But ultimately, this just felt like a game where uh, shots were not falling. And, you know, it's not interesting to say it was a make-or-miss game, but it really was. I mean, the Raptors played incredible defense in this one, much like that game against the Miami Heat last month, where the defense was great, it was swarming, it was doing its thing, especially in the second half. At the start of the third quarter, the Raptors, I think, held the Nets without a bucket for like three and a half, four minutes. The Raptors also just happened to not score in that time either because the offense sucked butt, and there's not much you can do about it when your offense is doing its regular things and just not producing the buckets that you need to keep pace in a regular NBA game. No matter how good your defense is, you're going to get a, give up enough buckets at one point or another that you have to score, and the Raptors just did not have it. Just 40 first-half points. One of the worst offensive performances we've seen from this team all year. It's probably number two behind that Heat game, and you know what are you going to do when that happens? The defense was good enough to win this game, much like it was in that Miami game. The offense just could never string together enough possessions. You know, it seemed... A few times in that fourth quarter, 
that we were, I mean, we've been conditioned for this, right? Over the last month, winning 15 games in a row, going a calendar month without losing a single game, you know, I think we've been conditioned to expect that that fourth quarter push is coming. I mean, it happened a week ago against the Indiana Pacers, and it just felt like a foregone conclusion against the Nets, who are worse than the Pacers, that there would be an offensive run to come where they'd start turning their defense into offense. And they just had a really hard time in this one capitalizing when they did force turnovers and when they did have defensive stops there were you know some back-breaking offensive rebounds that took place and there were just some really dumb turnovers that took place as well you had Fred Van Vliet I think twice tried to throw a pass to the right corner in the second half and just completely missed I think one time Patrick McCaw and another time OG Ananobi a very uncharacteristic play from Fred Van Vliet there you had Pascal Siakam on one point you know I think turning a turnover into a fast break and then just getting his pocket picked by Karis Levert who just ripped it out of his hands, and that was the story of the game. You know, the Raptors could not turn any of their positive defensive momentum into scoring. You had foul trouble for Kyle Lowry in this one. He seemed to be at odds with the referees pretty much the entire night. Well, we The referee thing, people were mad about the refs after the game. Whatever, uh, the, the refs were bad, sure, they were not great. It was uh, a bit of a disparity in terms of foul calls and whatnot, but also the Nets got to the rim more often than the Raptors did. They put themselves in more positions to pick up free throws. The Raptors took half their shots, just about 43 of their 90 shots were from three. You're not going to pick up a ton of foul calls when you're taking only threes, unless you're the Nets last night, where the Raptors fouled two three-point shooters, um, and that they were, they were very justified calls. And so you can be mad about the refs if you want, and you know Kyle seemed to be a little bit unfocused because of the refs and the perceived slights that he was getting or and you know some calls that he thought should have gone the other way and look Kyle's usually right about this stuff he's very smart but I think a couple times last night he was kind of silly especially his full fifth foul I believe or his fourth foul one the one that caused him to leave the game in the fourth quarter yeah it was sorry in the third quarter it was his fourth foul he had just picked up his third he'd just been kind of talking to the ref I think he picked up a tech very uh near around that time as well and then he just, like, held on to the guy he was guarding on an inbound play. It was just kind of a lazy, stupid foul. He looked indignant after the call, but, I mean, he was holding onto the guy's arm. It's a foul. Like, I don't know what the ref is supposed to do at that point. It was definitely a foul, and he called it, and, he, you know, Lowry missed a ton of time, and in that space, that's where you got into those weird lineups where Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Patrick McCaw were playing a ton. Chris Boucher was uh, pretty awful in his nine minutes in this one as a minus nine. And, you know, even Matt Thomas came in for three emergency minutes, couldn't get anything going. Terrence Davis was 0 for 6 and just completely off with his shot all night. And when you're getting nothing from the bench, in particular your bench guards in Davis and McCaw, who go 1 of 12 combined, you're really going to struggle when your best offensive guard, Kyle Lowry, has to go to the bench for an extended period because of foul trouble. And, you know, it just it all kind of stacked up against the Raptors in this one. So the streak is over. Once again, the Raptors are trash. They will uh, be back to 11th in all the power rankings or something, I'm sure. No, they're still really, really good. Losses happened. They had a day off in Brooklyn before this game. I'm assuming there was some sort of uh, chicanery going on on Tuesday night, or I'll just say that to make me feel better about the loss. And the Nets played really well, man. Karis LeVert was a monster late in this one. He did a really great job of closing. He was kind of quiet through most of the night, but I thought in the fourth quarter he kind of took over. Um, And, you know, you had like Jared Allen grabbing five offensive rebounds, DeAndre Jordan with four offensive rebounds. And those extra possessions in this game mattered a lot because of how bad the Raptors were 
offensively they couldn't afford to give up those second chance points and they did and that was the tale of the game and, and I, again I thought the Raptors did a pretty good job defensively in this one they ran the nets off the line quite a bit they only shot 35 threes and were 9 of 35 on the night and I don't know if anybody read Mike Prada's excellent breakdown of the Raptors defense in his pictures series on SB Nation NBA yesterday but watching that third and fourth quarter for the Raptors was a lot like just reading back Mike Prada's piece and just sort of seeing over and over again the types of defense the Raptors run, the stressful style of defense they seemed to play where they were closing out super aggressively. Even the wide open looks seemed pressured and frantic on the part of the Nets, and they just happened to make enough. They, I thought they did a pretty good job in sort of the in-between areas as well, which is not something you expect from the Nets, but I thought Joe Harris and Karis LeVert in particular had a couple really kind of back-breaking mid- mid-range jumpers where the defense did everything you wanted to do. It forced those mid-range shots, and they just went down. And what are you supposed to do? You put your hands up and say, screw it, and the Raptors are 40 and 15 anyway, going into the All-Star break, which is very, very good and nothing to be upset about by any means. This was just uh, one of those games. And honestly... The thing that is remarkable about this game and the thing that I think this game sort of says more than anything is just like that 15 game winning streak was impressive as hell. And it's not easy to do the probabilities of you losing stack up on each other every single time you add one more game to the list. Because shit like ha- like what happened in the game last night happens all the time. A team goes cold. They can't hit their threes. Your bench combines for nine total points. Like this stuff happens all the time in the NBA. We saw the Clippers lose to the Wolves on Saturday and get absolutely stomped in the process. I mean, this happens a lot. And for the Raptors to go an entire month without one of these games happening where the offense dries up and just can't keep pace with the defense, that is uh, really remarkable. And I think... That 15-game winning streak is going to go down as one of the more fun stretches of Raptors basketball over the last you know seven years. Like It really was wonderful. And what I want to do, I think, is kind of talk about the streak a little bit more in depth and some of the things we learned from it in just a second. But first, I want to remind you that if you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. You may not know that Locked On Raptors is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Raptors fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach a local podcast listener and it's not just any podcast listener it's a locked on podcast listener if your company wants to reach raptors fans who are well educated with the disposable income then let's put your company right here on locked on raptors local fans love to support local businesses text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and tell us who you are we'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success once again text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. 
Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so let's dive into the particulars of the streak a little bit, shall we? I, I mean, the Raptors kicked ass. Their offense over the stretch was number one in the league. Their defense was number three in the league. We saw some wonderful performances from Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka in particular, I would say maybe was the star of the streak, considering the way he took over after Marcus Gasol went down. We saw, I think, the sort of the peak of what this offense can look like, right? Especially when Marcus Gasol is in, there's just so much this team can do. There's so much that I think from from this streak that we can take and sort of apply to what the playoffs are going to look like, right? I, I think... Pascal Siakam, he had his ups and downs for sure, but we saw, I think, that his sort of closing instincts are, are pretty good. You know, not so much against the Nets. And, you know, again, some nights were pretty wonking shooting lines came across the board. But we saw in, you know, say the the Thunder game in the start of the stretch or the, uh, the, the Wolves game just this past Monday. There were a lot of games in there where Pascal really sort of took over late in games. We saw the Knicks game even, um, which seems like forever ago, but was, was also part of the streak, I believe. We saw the sort of the, the killer instinct from Siakam there. And look, I'm not totally sure how good Siakam is going to be against great defense in the playoffs in crunch time when things matter most. His offensive numbers have been very good so far, and his true shooting has been a little bit better. His usage is a little bit higher than he has been over the course of regular games when it comes to crunch time and all that stuff. And so that is positive and something to definitely be encouraged by. But the thing about what we saw over this streak is that it doesn't have to just be Siakam, right? Like Kyle Lowry has taken his sort of driving game and his attacking game to a whole new level this season, maybe even sort of past and, and more sort of wizened and refined than it has been even at his peak back in like 2015 to 2017, those two seasons. I think we've seen with Lowry this season, it's like a mix of his like insane drive and like his, his improved first step and his ability to get to the basket to combined with just like his brain and his cerebral sort of nature where once he sort of gets close to the basket, he can slow things down and just completely dupe large large people into making dumb lurches for the ball. And it kind of opens up Lowry for easy buckets. I mean, his, his shooting around the rim is absurd because no one can figure out how to guard him. And that's a nice weapon to have in, in a big playoff game or a crunch time of a late season big game against like the Heat or the Bucks or whoever you're playing against. All these teams that the Raptors are about to come across over the next couple of months here as the schedule is a little bit more middling in terms of its difficulty. And I think we've seen they can be diverse when it comes to the late game offense. It doesn't just have to be Siakam, although he can very much just do it himself. But that Lowry Siakam duo in tandem, I think, as we saw over the course of this stretch, it really does work wonderfully. You can have Lowry screen for Siakam. You can have you know Fred screen for him as well, as we saw in that Knicks game on that pull up three. Um, and you can, I, I just think you can kind of do a lot of different things, especially when you get Marcus Saul back as well. There's just so much shooting. There's so many threats and so many passing threats as well on the floor for the Raptors when Gasol's available and you have your ideal starting five out there or you go big and you have a Baca at the four and you push out one of OG or, or Fred Van Vliet on the wings. And it's just, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to work with, right? It's like a sort of hypercharged version almost of that Atlanta Hawks team that went 16 and 22 back in 2014, 15, I guess it was, where everyone's a threat, but there's also like a little bit more in terms of like raw star power 
when it comes to Siakam and like ability to sort of break your man down and score one on one that just wasn't there for like an Al Horford or a Paul Millsap or a Jeff Teague. This team has a lot more off the bounce juice than that team did, and also the same amount of just sort of egalitarian philosophy that kind of goes into it, right? Where everyone gets their touches, everyone can knock down the shots when they come to them. And so I think that does sort of, to me, give me a lot of confidence when it comes to what this offense is going to look like. And look, before this stretch, I was not sold on the offense. They were number 18 in the league. Obviously, a big part of that was dragged down by the stretch where Kyle was carrying things on, on his back with just about every effective offensive player out of the lineup at some point. And that was difficult, obviously. And so I think it was expected to see the offense tail off there as basically the only play they had in their bag was a Lowry, uh, Lowry Ibaka pick and roll. And if it didn't work, they were screwed. Now they have that sort of set of base you know, like cozy, like comfortable plays they can go to, whether it's a Lowry Ibaka pick and roll, pick and pop, whether it's a Lowry Siakam or a Siakam Lowry pick and roll. And then you also have, you know, the the whole series that Marcus Gasol can run from the top of the arc or from the elbow. You have, you know, OG Ananobi, who's become a bit more of a refined driver and playmaker. And you have the Norm Powell series, which is just him, you know, hammering to the corner or else, or just like blowing past dudes in transition. And I just think the offense looks way more diverse than it did at the start of the season, and that's probably partly a byproduct of having so many guys out and having guys have to sort of take on increased roles. Everyone just seems to have leveled up over the course of the year that the offense, to me, as much as the defense gets all the plaudits and was the topic of everyone's pieces yesterday across the internet, uh, all the pieces that cursed the Raptors and ended the streak uh, before the game even began, I'm sure, um, the, the the offense, to me, is the most encouraging thing from this stretch, and it was just a blast to watch, and, and I, I'm, I'm a little bit more sure that it's going to be able to hold up against good defenses in the postseason than I was, say, a month and a half ago, which is a a very nice thing to feel. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I guess the other takeaway from this stretch, and I think some people have written about this very eloquently, and I appreciate all of the writing that's gone into this team lately. I mean, everyone's doing a great job covering just what a marvel this season has been. And it's honestly kind of wild that it's been such a easy and joyful team to cover considering you're coming off a run to the title where it really felt to me at least you know and I kind of felt this after like writing the book and stuff that it was just never going to feel as cool as it did to cover a title team but this team is just so rich in content and in storylines and just in like fun personalities to really get behind and to want to explore more it has really blown my expectations out of the water for what it was going to feel like to cover this team it's been awesome and I'm just so happy to be a small part of it but some of the writing and some of the I think the greater the greater takeaways from this streak are just like appreciate it go back and watch the games back enjoy every second of it because look this might not end in a title this might be a season that nobly ends in the second or third round and that's fine because you know that was always kind of the expectation coming in anyway it's not like they're going to be disappointing anybody if that's the way the season ultimately ends although again I think the streak has kind of changed what the ceiling might look like for this team I just think the that having this streak, it just sort of highlighted all of the reasons why 
you keep it together. All of the reasons why moving on from the veterans who were on expiring contracts at the deadline never made any sense because this city, this team, this group of guys who just won a title and busted their asses and are just like these very chippy and determined and like fearless guys, they really deserve the shot to have this victory lap, right? And it would have been a real shame to see that cut short, and I'm glad that the season didn't tailspin early on with all the injuries because maybe things would have been different if the Raptors go into the deadline, you know, at 28 and 22 or whatever the record would have been uh, based on math. Uh, you know, maybe that changes things. Maybe that changes the calculus for Masai and Bobby, and they go and they move on from guys because it just doesn't look like a team that can that can cut it. But the team absolutely can cut it, and and it's a team of guys who. Really, it was kind of silly anybody underestimated, right? And I just think this streak is going to go down as, like I said, one of the most joyful stretches of basketball this team has ever put in. You know, there's the finals and the and the and the playoff run and everything. Obviously, that's number one. It will be for forever until it's supplanted by a new title run. But of all the other stretches, I mean, I can think of. You know, there's the 15 game winning streak. There's the um, post. Deadline post PJ Tucker, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry injury stretch where the Raptors went 14 and 7 with DeMar going off every night. There was that, you know, where you had the Bulls victory and you had the uh, PJ Tucker ripping the ball away from Isaiah Thomas like a baby segment of the season. Like that stuff was great. You had the post Rudy Gay trade and sort of the the rise up the standings from there. Like those are to me like the three stretches that come to mind as the most fun that it's been to be a Raptors fan outside of the playoffs over the last seven years. And you know that the the whole decision to keep the team together and run it back and do this title defense that might end up short but will certainly not end up disappointing in any way no matter how it ends at this point it just it was that that this all happened because they decided to do that and i think it's awesome that that the raptors got the chance to pull this off and become the team that everybody looked at and, and sort of was talking about they were the team in the discourse for the longest time and that's cool as hell, and it doesn't happen if they get quick with the trigger finger and blow it up with the whole, like, internet brain of basketball where it's only about, oh, can you win the championship, and if you're not winning the championship, then what are you doing to win the championship? Not everything is about winning the championship, as this Raptors team has proven this season, and shit, they might win the championship anyway, which would be damn awesome and extremely unexpected and one of the coolest stories of the last 20-something years in the NBA, probably, or maybe ever in the NBA, to, to have this team repeat, you know, without Kawhi and Danny Green. Again, that's getting a little far ahead of ourselves and not being in the moment, which we should be, because... That's what this team has decided to do. They've decided to be in the moment, enjoy it while it's happening. You know, we don't know how long Kyle Lowry or Marcus Saul or Serge Ibaka are going to be at their peaks anymore. We don't know how long they're going to be Raptors. And to soak up every last second of it and to enjoy the last 15 games as much as it seemed like Raptors fans did and the sort of very sort of tongue-in-cheek arrogance that Raptors fans have had this season has been delightful. It's been deserved. It's been, you know, it's not just a chance for the team to sort of defend their title. It's a chance for Raptors fans to celebrate and you know, revel in the in the in the title victory and what's happened this season, and it's just been a it's been a it's been a ride, man. And I am very much looking forward to how things are going to finish this regular season. Maybe this will be the peak of it. Maybe things will go downhill from here, and they'll come across tougher competition, and they won't perform quite as well. Maybe they slip down to the three seed and have a tough you know first round matchup with like the Sixers, and they lose. And maybe that happens. But even if that all happens, which I don't think it will, because this team rules. 
at least there's this 15 game winning streak to sort of count on as sort of the standout moment of this season. It's already happened. You can't lose from here on out, which is pretty damn awesome. Uh, I think that's where I'm going to leave today's show. Got a little wishy-washy there at the end, but that's fine. Wishy-washiness is good. Uh, on tomorrow's show, I'm going to re-air one of the Patreon episodes that I have now started to release to the public. Not sure exactly which one just yet, but we will do that for sure because uh, it's Friday. It's before All-Star. Everyone kind of wants the day off, and frankly, my voice hurts. I've been talking a lot this week, so I'm going to go on some talking I, I did last year with a lovely guest, Still haven't decided which episode it'll be, but stay tuned for that. It will be fun. Uh, And, uh, yeah, that'll do it. Thank you so much. Please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, all the stuff we always ask you to do. If you've yet to do it, what are you doing, man? Just get on it, please. It'd be very much appreciated to uh, leave a little rating and a review and uh, get rid of some of the mean reviews at the top of the list. There's not many mean reviews, but they always seem to congregate near the top of the list. So uh, nice reviews, very much appreciated. Five-star ratings, all that stuff. Please make sure you're checking out all of the Lockdown Podcast Network content if you're a hockey fan. There's going to be a couple big trade deadline specials coming up on Monday and Tuesday on the Lockdown NHL National feed that you should definitely check out if you are interested in hockey transactions. As uh, all the local hosts, much like we do with our season previews here on Lockdown NBA, are going to be chipping in and offering their thoughts on their teams ahead of the trade deadline and that'll do it thank you so much for tuning in we'll talk to you again on friday enjoy all-star and all that stuff as well and uh we'll talk to you then with another episode of locked on raptors hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast Free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.